For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 18 of This Is Our Effing Podcast, a Red Sox show with your co-hosts, Sean McAdam and Steve Lyons. Thanks for joining us again. Steve's continental tour continues but through the magic of technology he's able to join us from parts far away hope he is enjoying himself i know he's enjoying himself uh the red sox meanwhile are not enjoying themselves steve uh, not only do they stand some nine games back of the tampa bay rays which is the largest deficit so far this season but in the last four or five days, they have been the victim of a COVID outbreak, which could not have come at a worse time. Yeah, I mean, what else could go wrong for this team with all the COVID outbreak? I mean, we watched the Yankees go through a huge COVID outbreak, and all they did was get better. I mean, they've won some games, obviously, but when you lose, you know, Kiko and Arroyo and Perez, and maybe Barnes needed a little bit of a break, and then you have a guy like Taylor who's, you know, has to be quarantined because he was close. And then you have coaches on the on the IR as, as well. I mean, you know, that's hard to rebound from. We've seen guys get called to the big leagues that only if you're close to the organization do you even know who they are. Yeah, I, I mean, you, it is a pretty anonymous group coming in. You had Espinal making his – Major League debut Monday night at Tropicana Field, a rookie at age 29, nearly 30. He'll be 30 in about five weeks. And that's a nice human interest story. But uh, if you're a team battling for your playoff lives, you don't want to necessarily traffic in those. You want to focus on winning games. And that gets decidedly harder uh, when when, uh, you lose about 20% of your Major League roster uh, they are now, as we noted, without five guys on the major league roster. P.K. Hernandez, Christian Arroyo, Martin Perez, Matt Barnes, all positive, and Josh Taylor, a close contact, which means he has to be quarantined for a while and continue to undergo testing. So in particular, this is a real hard hit on the bullpen because you're talking about three guys in Perez, Barnes and Taylor and granted Perez is a guy that failed as a starter and has mostly been used in kind of mop-up situations uh so you, you can't say that they can't carry on without Martin Perez but even a slumping Matt Barnes and Josh Taylor are going to be missed and not only are you losing important guys Steve but you're doing it at a time when they're playing the Rays seven times in the span of 10 days. So it's not like, you know, this had happened last week. Not that there's a good time for a pandemic outbreak in your clubhouse, 
but it's a little easier to overcome if you're playing the likes of the Rangers and Twins rather than seven games in 10 days against arguably the best team in the American League. Yeah, or in April, where if even if a guy gets COVID, at least he gets over it, and now he's immune. You know, he can move on. You can't have that with less than 30 games to go in the season. We've already talked on and on and on at nauseum how shaky the bullpen can be. Now, you know, you and I have talked about it before. The, the bullpen can come out and dazzle at times, but not lately. And when they're shaky and you take guys away from that, hey, I know Barnes has scuffled over the last three weeks or so, but at the end of the day, I still want to call his name when I need some guys out. I don't want to be calling Espinal out there. I mean, like you said, great human interest stories, but but human interest stories don't get guys out. That you, you need guys that you can count on, especially at this time during the year, and that bullpen has been shaky. You cannot be taking guys like Barnes and Taylor out of it. Yeah, the timing could not have been worse for the Red Sox. As I said, it's not as if there's a good time to go through this, but this comes at the worst possible time. And it is that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book expert. Uh, we all know Bucks fans love to bet on Tom Brady and the Bucks. <laughs> that, that's a big, that's a big come on in New England these days to to, uh, to bet against the guy who left you at the altar. Um, but uh, you know, back to uh, the Red Sox and the pandemic outbreak that they're facing. This also brings up the matter, Steve, of vaccinations, and the Red Sox are one of, I believe, five or six teams in the major leagues who have not hit the 85% threshold necessary to relax some protocols and testing protocols. And there are a number of players on the major league roster who are not vaccinated by choice. I know that both the major league, uh, both MLB and the Players Association agreed that they would not make uh, vaccinations mandatory but you look at this and you wonder, and we don't know the individual status of the players who are on the list, so we're, we're not casting any aspersions or pointing any fingers here, but the fact that there are a number of unvaccinated players on the major league roster, to me, that's problematic when you're trying to contain this thing. Yeah, I, you know, I think on the surface, it absolutely is. I think I'm 
uh, I fall on the side of personal choice a little bit. I am vaccinated. My girlfriend is not. Um, she's against it. Uh, I don't know that she's uh, 100% educated on all the issues like most of us aren't. I think we hear things. We we assume things. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a complete faction out there that thinks the vaccination is not a good thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, I live in the state of California. Uh, there are many, many school districts that are mandating that teachers get vaccinated or they cannot teach. I'm, I'm not so sure that I agree with that. I mean, like I said, I have been vaccinated but I'm not so sure that I agree with a mandatory vaccination. Um, so, but, you know, we, you know, we get it. That, that's the, that's, that's the situation out there. They say, if you get vaccinated, you're going to be in a lot better situation. Maybe you won't get COVID, but we've also seen many, many times guys, even on the Red Sox, they go on the COVID list, they miss a game and then they're back. It's like, so how bad was it for them? Yeah. I, but I, I think that, um, in those previous cases to which you refer, Steve, uh, those were close contact and a, a perhaps a false positive where they return a day later or they're showing symptoms um, that resemble um, COVID-19 and it turns out they test negative. We do know now that there are at least four players who have tested positive, which means they could be lost up to 10 days, if not longer, depending on whether they're symptomatic or how they uh, progress from their symptoms and their illnesses. Um, and it, it, I, I understand that uh, people want to make the choice individually. I understand that uh, some people regard mandates as too heavy handed, but I think you have to look at the bigger picture here and realize that you're impacting others by not getting the vaccination. If you wanna sort of quarantine or stay in your home or not uh, socialize with other people and you wanna do additional research on whether the vaccine is right for you, I think you should have that right. But when your workplace includes uh, mingling with 40 other people in close contact in the locker room and showers and hotels and buses and plane rides and everything else, and you're putting uh, your essentially your coworkers at risk, not only from a competitive standpoint in how well the team may do, but also a health standpoint. To me, that changes the equation a little. Yeah, I, you know, I, that, I think it's an excellent point. There's no question about that. But if you look at it from the other side, if those 40 or 50 players and coaches and staff are the guys that are together all the time, and they all test negative at a certain point in time, then what's the risk? You know, wh wh where are you going now? You must be doing something outside of what we're doing as an organization uh, to put your teammates at risk. If you're not doing any of that, no one really is at risk. Yeah, we don't know about how carefully the Red Sox are following health and safety protocols, whether they are following the rules and regulations about uh, with whom they're in contact when they're away from the ballpark. Clearly, there's a lot that we have to learn about this. Uh, I, I think we can agree, though, that uh, this could not have come at a worse time. And it's really, uh, look, the, the 
but we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. The, the division seems to be slipping away from them with a nine-game deficit. That's a season-high deficit for the Red Sox in the standings and just 29 games left. Yeah, they do have uh, six games remaining with the Rays, but even if they were to run the table there, that only gets you to within three, and then you still have to worry about the Yankees and some of the other wild-card uh, entrants. Um, Steve, I don't know if you know, but – we have heard that former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. Steve, you played a long time in the big leagues. Uh, I'm sure you went through some aches and pains in trying to maybe bounce back from some of those workouts and long stretches of games without a day off. It's a little harder when you get older. Well, you know, I absolutely knew the day that I started to see my skills decline. I was uh, in batting practice out in the outfield chasing a fly ball. And in my mind, I knew I was going to catch it. But my body got me there one step late. And when I didn't catch the ball, and this is only in batting practice, mind you, that's when I realized that the decline was starting. And, you know, you have no idea you know, at that point, how scared it can be for a guy who wants to hang on and keep playing and you need some kind of an edge. And, you know, maybe balance seven could have been that kind of edge. Well, you say that and Lamar Odom is already acting on that. You can see how balance seven has helped. He already looked good in that celebrity boxing match against Aaron Carter and Lamar Odom planning on a comeback with some help from balance seven. Head to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. Balance7.com and use the code BLEAV for free shipping. If it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you too. Um, so we're talking about the Red Sox and a tough stretch here where the manpower is not where they'd like it to be in a particularly crucial stretch of the schedule including seven games of the Rays in the span of 10 days. Nine games back is the math, and that's not a good number. Um, I asked Alex Cora yesterday in the pregame Zoom prior to the 6-1 loss whether he still viewed uh, the division as something that was attainable for the Red Sox. And he said, well, we've got to get through the next few days here. We've got to overcome what we're dealing with, meaning the COVID outbreak. He said, talk to me on Friday, and I'll give you a better sense. Not a good start on Monday with a loss, 6-1, to one, where they had only one run. It came in the second inning. They didn't score the final seven innings, kind of flat offensively. You've got to think that the focus now, whether they admit it or not, Steve, is, is on getting in via the wild card. Yeah, wild card or even second wild card when you think about it. I mean, this is a team that's headed in the wrong direction still, even after a decent week, still under 500 since the All-Star break as far as a win-loss record. Um, but, you know, that kind of leads us into uh, another situation when you talk about who's playing well for this team and who isn't playing for well, well for this team. You look at a bad loss on Monday. But who was the only bright spot there with a home run and a guy who's continuing to all of a sudden pick stuff up? And that's Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, he has been hot of late. Four home runs in the last four games. He has lifted his OPS about 200 points in the last few weeks. 
You see him being a little more selective at the plate, even working the occasional walk. I mean, there was a time where he had better than 300 at-bats this season, Steve, and I think 12 walks. I mean, that's, that certainly is not sustainable. You have to be uh, more disciplined at the plate than he was being. The strikeouts, you know, are always going to be a factor with him, but he wasn't even able to utilize his power because he was chasing so much out of the zone. He's been more patient and disciplined in the last few weeks. And you have to wonder, is some of this uptick in performance, say from early August until now, the result of feeling a little push and uh, some competition internally? Remember, right before the deadline on July 29th, the Red Sox traded for Kyle Schwarber and announced that one of the plans they had for him was to get him to work at first base. Now, for a variety of reasons, he's only played a couple of games over there, but nonetheless, that's a threat to playing time. And then if that weren't enough, a couple of weeks later, they claimed Travis Shaw, who's primarily a first baseman these days, on waivers from Milwaukee. He comes in and gets some start. I'm guessing it's probably not a coincidence that Dahlback has had his best few weeks at a time when his playing time and roster spot is uh, is being pushed by others. Yeah, you know, Sean, it's, it's an excellent point. There's no question about that. When when someone starts showing up and saying, hey, I might be taking your position or I might be getting playing time instead of you, you wake up a little bit. But I think it's also a point where a guy like Bobby Dahlback, who came up last year and had a great showing, there's no question that we all love the fact that we thought he was going to hit 35 home runs this year uh, based on what he did last year in a crappy season for the entire Red Sox organization, right? I mean, that was terrible. He was the one bright spot. But also, sometimes guys just start to figure it out. This organization has stuck with Dahlback for the most part. You know, they've given him some time off. They've given him off days and stuff. They've tried to protect him a little bit more than they thought they were going to have to. But at the end of the day, He's starting to figure it out in my mind. And if that happens and continues to happen, you know, he's going to be the player that they thought they were going to have. And whether it's another player pushing him in that direction or just a, a longer period of time that we were waiting for, for him to figure it out, either one of those are good. Cause I can tell you, Sean, I was, I was that guy that never figured it out. I was a guy in the minor leagues that you had to worry about. I was going to beat you. I was one of the two or three guys on the other team that you had to say, we cannot let this guy beat you. When I got to the big leagues, I was never that guy. Um, I never, I guess I never gained the swagger that I needed. I never really thought I belonged there. And, but, but the biggest problem was um, strike zone awareness. I never really learned the strike zone at the major league level as well as I should have. And I think that's what we're seeing with Dahlbeck. You know, we saw him swing at bad sliders down and away forever. We saw him swing at balls up in the zone forever. He's starting to put himself in a position. You mentioned it. He never walked. That was because he was swinging at everything. You know, when you come to the big leagues as a young player, you think that they're going to throw you strikes. And a lot of times they don't. They're just going to wait for you to make a mistake. And he continually did it. He's starting to figure it out. It was something that I never was able to do. But if you do figure it out and you start to lay off that bad slider down and away and you start to lay off that high fastball up that you can't hit, then now all of a sudden you're like, all right, now you got to throw me a strike and I can do some damage with a strike. 
Yeah, I think it's encouraging too, Steve, that uh, of his 18 home runs, more than half have come against right-handed pitching. And, and we know that both last year and the first half of this year, you referenced them protecting him. Uh, you know, he would get a lot of starts against lefties, but they would limit his exposure to righties. The fact that he's starting to figure out how to pull the ball against righties. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, too, that last year it seemed that a lot of his home runs came to center and right, where he's using the whole field, and that's a good sign. But he's also showing this year against right-handers, and it happened Monday night on the pitch from Luis Patino, the, the fine Tampa Bay rookie who they got from San Diego, went down and in on a pitch uh, it was a, a, a sinker on the inner half and Dahlbeck kind of dropped the head and pulled the ball on a line to left field. Those are good signs, too, that he's figuring out not just a little bit more about swing decisions, but also the ability to hit right handers. And, and maybe uh, this environment where there is so much focus on the top prospects, right? We read a Baseball America MLB pipeline. Everyone ranks prospects, and this guy's a can't miss. It's important to remember that Bobby Dahlbeck is just now getting to about 500 major league at-bats. So there's a danger in trying to make snap judgments right away for a highly touted prospect. And when they don't succeed right away, sometimes they need a little time to, to, to keep learning at the big league level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I saw a couple of pictures of the home run he hit the other day. And I mean, they were picture perfect. I mean, that's a hitting against a, a stiff front leg, you know, great extension, head down on the ball, everything you want to see in a hitter. So we, we all know that he has it in him. And the simple fact that, as you mentioned, that's a ball that's down and in to a righty. If a right-hander can hit a ball down and in, he has to be able to tell himself that he doesn't have to swing at that fastball that's up and in or up and away. It's not a pitch you can hit anyway, but a lot of righties can't hit that ball down and in. They're high ball hitters just by design. But if he can, you know, go back and relive that pitch that he hit out of the park, you know, 50 times, watch it over and over and over again. So it's ingrained in his mind that I can do this on a pitch like that. I don't have to chase up. And he can lay off of that pitch. And as I said before, that's where you start to get strike zone command. You start to realize that I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay off all the pitches that you want me to swing at, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna hammer the balls that I want because I'm gonna get ahead in the count and you're gonna have to come to my zone. On the pitching side, we had a little bit of history made at the end of the last homestand during Chris Sale's last start against the Minnesota Twins, a, uh, an immaculate inning. And that marked the third immaculate inning of Chris Sales' career. The only other person to do that has been Sandy Koufax. That's pretty good company. And if there were any indication that Sale is on his way back, the fact that he went through an inning Nine pitches, three up, three down, nothing but strikes, three strikeouts. Um, that, that certainly had to be encouraging for the Red Sox to see that level of dominance from Chris Sale and only his third start back. Yeah, and that's not going to be the last time he's going to do it. We, we all know how the game has changed. A lot more strikeouts, a lot more swings and misses, a lot more guys swinging for the trees. 
Um, and that, that plays right into Chris Sale's game because, you know, he's, he's not generally a guy who likes to waste pitches. He's going to come right at you. You know, the old school game uh, used to be if you get 0-2, you know, throw something up there, waste it, throw it under his chin, throw it up in the zone, drop something in the dirt. Maybe he'll chase it, but if he doesn't, no big deal. You know, we're going to go to work after that. Chris Sale's never, never, and I repeat, never been that kind of guy. He doesn't care if it's 0-2. He doesn't necessarily care if he gets up an 0-2 base hit. He's coming at you, and that's what he did, and he's going to have many, well, you know, I got, maybe I shouldn't see many, many more. Let's not set part two up innings yeah and uh the red sox continued to be a little careful with sale they're giving him an extra day before he re returns for his next start which will be wednesday night at tropicana field against the rays and by pushing him back a day they also have the opportunity to bring him back next monday against tampa who knows by then uh, that game and that series may not have terrible significance in terms of standings and the deficit the Red Sox have to make up. But if the Red Sox are intent on making the postseason as a wild card, at some point, it doesn't matter who the opposition is. They've got to win as many of their last 28 or 29 games, be it good teams like Tampa or bad teams uh, like Baltimore and Washington coming up at the end of the year. All the wins count the same regardless of opponents. So they'll need a healthy and dominant Chris Sale down the stretch. That's going to wrap up episode 18 of this is our effing podcast a red sox show brought to you by bet online we will be back with you next week uh steve will be back in the uh good old us of a and uh we'll move forward that way in the meantime we ask that you uh rate and review the show tell your fans who are baseball fans and red sox fans about us we'd love to have them join us as well Thanks for listening. Steve, enjoy your trip, and we'll talk to you next week. I will be back in the continental United States. <laughs> Look forward to it.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.